Labor Day, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And if you like this show, give us that five-star review, especially because it's Labor Day and we're working. And head on over to abcboxing.com to read the scoring criteria because that's what we're going to talk about. Dan, doesn't Labor Day always seem like a load of load of BS when you have to work it? Yeah, I mean, I work it every year, so. I know, same here. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure kids feel the same because, I mean, schools go back in, so. Yeah, but they but they don't go to school on Labor Day. The day after they do, usually. Yeah, they do. Well, um, well, my kids aren't. My kids don't go back until Thursday. Oh, wow. Good for They're them. late. They're very late in the year. I feel like that's the way it should be. You shouldn't start before Labor Day because then you just, you go back for like another three days. It's like, what's the point? Mm. But. I mean, some some school districts, obviously, we're talking about kind of New Jersey, but I know in different parts of the country, they were back like a month ago. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I always think that's absurd. Doesn't, doesn't feel right. Yeah, it doesn't. Like, you, you already got summer now. This, this is this is when you should be, you know, out at the beach, not sitting in a classroom. I agree. Jersey for the win. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you actually weren't in Jersey the last few days, my friend. You were in unfriendly territory for typical, uh, typically for a New Yorker. Well, not that we're New Yorkers, but you yeah. know what I mean. Well, New York sports fan. We were in Boston. Yeah. Saw Rutgers beat Boston College. I, I understand that was a pretty good uh, comeback. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it wasn't the greatest football um, from either team, but it was a fun game. All I right. got roasted. Uh, I look like a lobster right now. You don't look that bad, my friend. Um, you should see my leg. Oh, yeah. You know what? Now I'm seeing your arm and the contrast with the part of your sleeve that was covering it. And yeah, it is. I'm so there's swollen. like a. There's a distinct shade of red mixed with your freckles, <laughs> and then right past your like the crook your elbow on the inside, it it's, it looks like you lathered up in milk. <laughs> yeah, I got I I got fried. <laughs> your face doesn't look so bad. I think that's really what it is. It's deceiving when it's cool out. Mm. Yeah, I, I got a sunburn in like the middle of October in Charlotte at a Panthers game. <laughs> it's... That was not expected. <laughs> It's the worst. Yeah. But, uh, and so that wasn't the only game, right? You went to... Saw Fenway, mm-hmm. uh, Red Sox Rangers game on Thursday. You must have been to Fenway before. As a kid, yeah. Oh, never as an adult. No, okay. No. I've actually been twice in the last, like, yeah. 12, 13 years. So it was pretty cool. Got mm-hmm. my, got a Pedro Funko Pop they were giving out. Okay. So that was cool. I know you love your Funko Pops. Yep. Where is it? I think it's downstairs somewhere. No, you didn't add it to the, uh, the collection over here yet. No. All right. But a good trip overall? Yeah, it was fun. Despite the burning, despite this, yeah, All right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have much going on. We went to a couple barbecues. Nice, that was fun. Kids had a good time. Nice, worked. Gonna Not work. Nice. Gonna work again. Not nice. Labor Day. <laughs> papers, papers, <laughs> gotta come out. Just the way it goes. But uh, yeah, but I did, of course, catch up on the fights later. You, you also didn't watch the fights like me. Like I, I watched. I watched the last two fights live, but I really was kind of catching up on work at that point because I was granted. Uh, the chance to go in an hour later than normal, um, start my shift a little later. Mm-hmm. Still work the same amount of time. But, um, you know, just to get a little bit of chance to go to this barbecue uh, at a buddy's. But, yeah, I, I was following along, and uh, and I was able to watch the last two fights of the night. Of course, the the main event being Cyril Gan's victory over Taito Ivasa, which I understand you didn't get to watch the whole fight. No. But, but you saw, you know what I, happened. Yeah. You saw pieces of it. Honestly, yeah. it was a really good fight. I, I thought it was, especially for a heavyweight fight, this is this was high caliber. Well, that's good. That's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Definitely not one of those fights where 
I would have been like, man, this should have only been five minutes. No, it didn't seem like that. Mm-hmm. And usually, so. and, and I always, when I do bring that up, I always point out that I'm usually talking about people beyond the top 10, realistically. Once you get into that top 10 range, the the, the talent level there is much higher. Um, and I, I think typically the fights do end up reflecting that more often than not. We usually. certainly, we've had Derek Lewis fight against uh, Francis Ngannou. We, we all remember that one. We know <laughs> how that happened. But yeah, I mean, I think what we had here was, I wouldn't say it was typical, but it was on the higher end of, of a typical top 10 heavyweight fight where it was actually a pretty darn good fight. There was some, you know, it was mostly Sulegan winning, right? Five rounds at a time, he's winning every round. There's, we're not going to talk about uh, any contested rounds here, but there was, there were distinct moments where you knew that Tai Tuivasa was very dangerous in there and could easily um, end the fight at any moment, especially, especially in the second round when he drops uh, Gan. Yeah, he, I guess he always posed a threat at some point. But ultimately, the the thing that I kind of observed, especially, was when when he started attacking the body. And I mean, this this isn't this is any sort of expert analysis here. This is just anyone could have seen. Like once he starts hitting the body, it's like Tai Tuivasa is not reacting very well to it. Mm. Um, that kind of softer midsection. Okay, probably looked like an area that he was going to attack. That was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the kicks were doing really well. But um, yeah, I mean, he obviously you saw the finish Mm -hmm. uh, with that punch combo there, uh, which included. A nice little hammer fist to the back of the head while he, while Tai Tuivasa was standing up. What hey, the heck was that? Hammer fist to the head. I don't know. <laughs> he saw a target and took it. And yeah, an illegal target. Not, yeah, not, yeah, it wasn't illegal target. An illegal but... target. Now, it's always tricky, though, because you have the situation like Tuivasa is really badly hurt, right? He's super badly hurt here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that particular strike to the back of his head actually changed the way that fight would have finished. Not Not a meaningful way. Doubtful, but I mean, come on, we got to protect the fighters here, right? That's that's not we can't just let that stuff slide. I know, but what do you what do you even do? Because the fight's over. I know it's so. it's tricky. It's tricky. Um, you'd you'd hate to say it's some sort of disqualification kind of situation too, because that doesn't seem like the fairest outcome necessarily. I because I think back to, of course, John Jones when he got disqualified against Matt Hamill in a mm. fight that I'm pretty sure Steve Mazzagatti could have stepped in. And stopped even before John Jones resorted to the twelve to six elbow. Someone else complained about Gon hitting him in the back of the head, right? Junior Dos Santos. Yeah, JDS was was on that. Um, I'm not. I'm not like trying to you know get all soapboxy and everything like that. But it just it was weird. Like we're just gonna let that go. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's strange. Yeah, the whole point is to protect the uh, the fighter there, and yeah, I don't know if that was that was appropriately done there. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But nonetheless, it doesn't change the fact that Cyril Gaon asserted himself as the better fighter that night. He got the win, I think deservedly so. Um, good fight. I hope you get back, uh, get the chance to watch the entire thing, because I thought it was a solid fight. But the question coming off of this fight now is, it's of course, the obvious one, right? Should Cyril Gaon get the next title shot? Because it's, it's a weird situation. Heavyweight, obviously, is in a weird situation. It's in a weird place. But we do have just a little bit more clarity than we did before. We have one clear contender as opposed to, hey, maybe Taito Ivasa could get in there or something like that. We still have Cyril Gan who defended his his number, right? Mm-hmm. His number one. He still has it. And we have two fighters who are of higher, higher profile than him, probably, in, in uh, Stipe Miocic and... John Jones, are they going to fight in December like I think USC's hoping for? I believe it when I see it. You know, I'm, I'm really of that mind. I don't know where you stand on it, my friend. 
Yeah, what they keep saying December. I keep hearing December. The rumored time for Jones and Steve. I guess if that happens in September, and I don't know what you do with that. September. I mean, I'm sorry, December. And uh, you also got Blades, who who just got a kind of a technically technically he got a win over. Uh, it's not a loss. Tom right. and all. <laughs> it does go down on his record as a victory. If they were gonna do a title fight or interim title fight, since uh, Francis is still hurt. I really wouldn't hate it the would, idea of I think what you're building to right the blades uh, gone that as an interim title fight yeah yeah, yeah. I I'm on board with that as an interim fight especially if we don't really know when Francis Ngannou is going to come back it's just he, it just feels more dirty doing it now having already done it last year yeah I think if it wasn't for last year I'd been like oh yeah okay makes <laughs> some sense you know make another title he's not he's not gonna be fighting for a little while. This could have been a, an interim title fight, realistically. And, and Taitu Ivasa told me as much last week. He's like, yeah, I think it makes sense for it. He's like, it's definitely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, I mean, it did make some sense to do that here. And if that's the case, I mean, you know, we're still talking about, regardless, someone with a belt or someone without the belt, we're still talking about the number one heavyweight on the planet who's not Francis Ngannou. But it still is tricky because we just don't know what's going on with this Jones and, and Miochit situation. Is it actually going to happen again? I'll believe it when I see it. I still feel like the division ought to move forward, and just if that happens, great, you know. I mean, is Stipe holding out for Jones? I don't know what he's doing. So. I feel like I feel like Stipe just just my read on the situation from afar. I feel like he's just like you know what? I don't need to do this. You come up with something that I want to do, I'll do it. You okay. know, that's that's what I feel like he's at. He seems very happy. He's made good money. I think I don't, he doesn't seem like he spends lavishly. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he necessarily loves doing things in the limelight. I mean, he literally is a firefighter who just kind of goes about his business as one of the boys most of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he likes to do. I think he likes to be that. And he doesn't need this. But if there's an opportunity and it's something he likes, then, yeah, I'll come back. That's how I read it. Yeah, it makes sense. But I don't know. I didn't. I couldn't. I haven't spoken to the man to know that, you know. But like you say, I think it makes sense, too. But we'll see. I, I do hope that they can find some way to move the division forward one way or the other i, I feel bad for curtis blades because i think he's done enough on the whole you know take away the the tom aspinall fight i still feel the same way he's done enough on the whole uh okay. to justify being in a championship fight at this point all right so i wouldn't hate that um that of course wasn't the other that was the that wasn't the only big fight that we had in uh in paris the other day that was uh france or excuse me robert whitaker getting the win over marvin vittori clear victory Good victory. Looked really good in there. Against someone who's it's kinda it's not always easy to look good against Marvin Vittori, I don't think. No, I thought he looked really good. Like my he had Marvin Vittori uh on the defensive confused, it seemed actually. He he, he, he didn't have an answer for it. He probably so. did uh he did a lot better against Marvin Vittori than Israel Asanya did in either of the times he mm-hmm. fought Marvin Vittori over the course of eight rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, now granted, there you know the, there is uh, one of those rounds in that fight we're actually going to be talking about. Um, so we'll get to that, but yeah, it's it's definitely a it's definitely a really good performance from from Bobby Knuckles, and it's just he's in another weird spot too because he's definitely better than everybody else at middleweight. He just is. Yeah, we know that. You know, there's of course there's other people that he could fight that are coming up, but he's kind of he's almost like the the champ below the champ. In the, in the sense that he's just turning everybody else away. Yeah. But it's just, it, you know, through two fights, he has not been able to get that victory over Israel Asanya. Could he do it? Yeah, he could, but he still hasn't. So is he ever going to get that third shot like uh, like Max Holloway did? Is he going to need to? I mean, what more can he do? He really can't do much more. I mean, he'll just keep winning. That's it. I so, guess. Or like, the other option that he's 
talked about as well, maybe going up to 205. Yeah, if he, if he wants to. I'm, I'll support that. Yeah. Any so. Anytime they're cutting less weight, I'm, I'm very much in favor. He's not a big guy, though. I mean, uh, you saw him next to Vittori. He didn't necessarily look I know. That's actually more interesting than middleweight. What, moving up to 205? Moving up to 205. It'd be, like, it'd be interesting to see what so. he could do. Because I think the, the wrestling element that he can mix in there as well is a little different than a lot of the top guys at that weight mm-hmm. in the UFC, especially. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. But, yeah, I, 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 whatever he wants to do... I think we already know that this is definitely one of the best middleweights of all time. He has distinguished himself as somebody really special, but not quite special enough to the point to be better than uh, Israel Adesanya, which I think speaks volumes to Adesanya. Oh, yeah, Adesanya's. I mean, for middleweight to to make, for him to get a quicker title shot, I think Adesanya would have to lose twice to Pajeda. Yeah, yeah, I think so. He's so. got he's got to be uh, he's got to be Pajeda's biggest fan at this point, mm-hmm. right? Um. Yeah, it'll be tough though. Otherwise, so um, what about the French fans? Like, I don't know if you got to watch uh, enough had, of the card. I had no sound, so I really couldn't hear. I was on the train watching. Oh, you on were my watching phone. the fight? Okay, you just so, you mostly watched the rounds and a little I bit. Didn't of have, the, yeah, yeah. I didn't have I didn't have headphones. I didn't want to disturb the people around me, so I, was, I had no volume. Well, I bet they're disturbed enough. They're coming from Boston. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I like Boston. Um. Yeah, honestly, I was very impressed with the the passion and the and the way that the fans gotten behind it. I mean, I shouldn't be at this point when they go to these other territories outside of the United States. They're they're always more vociferous. They're more into it and everything like that, and and almost put most American crowds to shame uh, in a lot of ways. So, but it, and it's it was really refreshing to hear them get behind it. There was definitely a sizable Italian contingent there for uh, guys like Vittori and Alessio uh, De Chirico. They they came out in force for them as well. And then you had um now there's this this uh this sense that maybe they'll end up in Italy doing an event in Italy at some point when they can find a venue. So hopefully in the next couple of years they actually make it over there and can can do, do it in the Coliseum. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Just build a little makeshift, uh, mm-hmm. put lines around it too. Yeah, mm-hmm. they should. Russell Crowe could come. <laughs> He's not doing too much now. He's he was in a he was in the MCU, right? Was he? Yeah, well, okay, maybe you didn't see the most recent one. He was in uh, the Thor film, the okay. new Thor, Thor film. Yeah, but uh, doing a really terrible Italian accent in that movie, actually. Nice. Yeah, not so good. Um, and I like Russell Crowe, but that was just not good. We did have a solid amount of contested rounds on the whole. Eight out of 24, which is uh, put the percentage at 66.7, two out of three. Um, not a, not a bad not a bad percentage necessarily. I think typically we're talking about a seventy to seventy three, so we're really just like one round off. And well, we'll get to this in just a moment because we'll get to that fight. But there is one round before we'll talk about the big one. There was unusually a ten ten split. Unbelievable. I, it kind of is unbelievable. Even just in it's unbelievable in that it even happened. Because I'm catching up. Like I said, I went to this barbecue trying to catch up on things that happen and i'm looking i'm putting in the uh the round scores in my little data sheet there and i see 10 10 i'm like what <laughs> like is that a, is that an error i couldn't believe it i just like i literally just couldn't believe that it actually occurred and i'm like all right now i gotta i need to find out what happened so um well we'll get to that i guess in a moment right we'll we'll just get to that let's start with the fight let's set up the fight in contested rounds william gomez got the win over jarno aaron's majority decision Two twenty nine twenty eights and a twenty nine twenty nine, which oh my gosh, are we? <laughs> how are we getting a twenty nine twenty nine? That's ridiculous. Um, two of these rounds are split actually. So let's talk about first round two. 
What is happening in round two, sir? It's actually pretty wild, you know, not in the sense of uh, being a slugfest round. More so that every strike from e both guys seems to just be like video game button mashing. Uh, no real setting up of the strikes. I think Aaron probably has the slight edge here, but I think it's still very close until Gomez gets a clinch, drags him to the ground, stuffs him against the fence, and lands some ground and pound before they get back up with about a minute 30 left. Gomez again gets it down, and you know, they scramble. Aaron is able to land a solid throw, but Gomez rolls through at the end, ends up on top, lands a couple shots as the round ends. I think it's competitive, but I think it's pretty clear for Gomez. Yep, competitive, close, but... I don't, I don't even want to say clear. I just think it was it was a close round, and, and it went the way of Gomez in my view. But yeah, I think it could go the other way. I could see why it could go the other way. I just don't think it was that big a deal. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're united, of course, on Gomez here. Uh, and in line with judges David Leatherby and Clemens Werner, it was local judge uh, Christoph Chapuis, uh, who is a former fighter as well. Uh, he gave this one to Aaron's. Again, I don't think it's that crazy to go the other way. Okay. Disagree, obviously. A little bit. Yeah. That's yeah. all right. You can push I back. I don't think it's crazy. I just don't like that score. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm saying with the other way, too. But I'm not going to fight it as much as uh as maybe we'll fight round three. Compared, <laughs> yeah, right, Let's talk about round three. <laughs> round three is, this is this is like the heart oh, yeah, of the yeah, show yeah. here, right? Yeah. I mean, on the feet, Aaron's is landing the better strikes. He's getting the better reactions. Gomez is landing a couple nice ones to the body, but the effective, more impactful strikes are coming from Aaron's. All the head kicks Gomez are throwing, they're getting blocked. Gomez is able to get the clinch, eventually a takedown. He gets stuck in a guillotine, nothing crazy, really, no, no, not too much danger from there. Uh, he does land some strikes, nothing all that strong, missing quite a bit of them. Aaron's locks in a tight triangle, and Gomez is able to slip out eventually, but he was stuck there for, I don't know, at least 30 seconds, it felt like. Uh, I think it's just a clear Aaron's round to me. There was so much to score, like, landing on 10-10 here is just... I don't know how you get 10-10 here. It's kind of crazy. Nothing about this round is even remotely close to 100% even for any tier of the criteria. So, I don't know. It, it's it's a weird one. Um, This is absolutely not what we were taught when we went to ABC training. A round like this is not the type of thing that we would have been taught to consider as a 10-10 round. Even if, just for some reason, you have... Effective striking and grappling, you somehow end up, that's 100% equal. Effective aggression is not equal in the slightest. The one that's actually working towards the finish of the fight is Aaron's. He's locking in triangles. He's going for the guillotine. He's he's the more aggressive fighter that's effective aggressive. Fighter. Right, under, under this devil's so, advocate scenario. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then somehow say you get even there. Octagon control's not even. You would give that to Gomez. He's, he's the one dictating where the fight's taking place. Sure. So I... I don't, I, I don't get how you get to ten ten. I wouldn't it, even make it to the second what it, here. You don't have to. What it honestly feels like to me, and and look, I I never met uh Judd. I'd never even heard of uh Christoph Chapuis before this event. I I imagine he's worked some you know some Aries fights. You know, being a, a French judge, a French, uh, he's a Frenchman himself. He's from France. Um, I would imagine that his experience is based in Aries, maybe somewhere else in Europe, that kind of thing. Uh, he fought as recently as six years ago, so he's not that far removed from competition either. I think he was like eight and fourteen. Not a, not a. I wouldn't say he had a stellar career, right? But and I didn't recognize any of the names when I was looking over his record. But nonetheless, this is a man who's fought. You know, he's trained, he's fought, he understands the sport. What it feels like to me is he locked up. It just feels like he locked up under the lights, under the pressure, and just couldn't pick a winner. He just couldn't. I don't. I don't know that. 
I really don't. But that's what it certainly looks like as an observer. And that tells me that this guy was not ready to be judging the number of fights that he was judging on a UFC card. I don't know. Now, the you know, in France, they have their own commission, right? Um, so it's not like the UFC acting in their own commission, as I understand it. Um, this wasn't like a Mark Ratner kind of deal where Mark's just kind of running the show, more or less, uh, in, in place of a commission, right? He's working with the commission just the same way he would any other commission. I'm sure they listen to him to to whatever degree they would, right? Any commission would. Uh, we know some commissions maybe are more workable than others, Texas. Uh, <laughs> but but here, maybe this was a few uh, assignments too many. Like maybe give him one or two assignments early on and then kind of drop him off. This was this was on the main card. This was a little deeper. They gave him a few assignments throughout the night. Um, he just it doesn't seem like he was ready for this. It really just doesn't seem like it. I mean, maybe that's harsh. I don't know, but. I'm going to call a spade a spade in this case. It just doesn't look like this guy was ready. If he was calling this particular round a 10-10, if he's pulling out a 10-10 and it's a lot, let's say, less action-heavy, let's say it's much closer to, you know, Esparza Rose, even if it doesn't reach that level, right? If it's closer to there, it's like, okay, you know what? Maybe there's some justification there. You can kind of see where he was going for. Not the type of thing they typically do, but at least he's heading in the right direction, right? There's really nothing here. I think you can defend 10-9 Gomez easier than you can 10-10. Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I you know 10-10 is not the score they don't want, like, ever. I think in the sense... It, in this situation. I think it's so. easier to defend the other way in the sense that, like, it's much easier to put, you know, something on one side of a knife or on the other side of the knife as opposed to bouncing it on top of a knife. Because that is really the fine point of where a 10-10 needs to kind of sit. Like, they need, you know, just change the ruling. You can only give a 10-10 in partial rounds. That's it. What are you talking about? Make make change change how. 10 oh, you're are saying given. you're saying they should change the rule. Yeah, I thought you said they it. just changed the rule. I'm like, what are you talking like, about? Just, I was mean just the KBC. How do you get a ten ten in this round? I don't know. It would be nice if they would actually make it more clear that yeah, this is realistically only supposed to be for rounds that do not go the five minute distance. I think that would be okay because otherwise we do have these three different elements, and I guess in theory. You have to have something on the books for if literally nothing happens. Two men stand across from each other and they look at each other and don't move, right? Yeah, if they vote and they just say Because the down, moment crisscross applesauce. Literally the moment someone and, moves toward the other person, if like one guy is chasing him and nothing else happens in that entire round, that guy is being more aggressive. Yeah, but then you got then you got the you know, is it effective aggression? Cr- that is true. So, that you know what? Fair point. Absolutely fair point. It is not effective aggression necessarily. You might right. win it on octagon control. <laughs> I guess in theory. Because you'll, you'll be... But nonetheless, one. that just doesn't... That's not a thing that happens. And that right. would be a, a total gross uh, negligence on behalf of the referee as well. I mean, you got to start warning for timidity at that point. Make, making things happen, you know? So it's kind of... We're, we're talking about a situation that's just not going to present itself. And this, Yeah, this was just... There was just so much going on in this round. This is not so. this is not the round to put the ten ten out there. It's just not. And you know we've we've been saying for for what two and a half years now we've been doing this show like mm-hmm. a ten ten. This isn't you just don't see them at this level. They don't actually happen. And then sure enough, something comes along and everyone's gonna remember this and be like, see ten ten. <laughs> and I saw, you know, I was kind of scrolling through social media trying to see how people reacted. I didn't go deep into it, but you know there were some people that were like. Yeah, that you're ridiculous for putting the ten ten out there. And then there were some people who were like, "Hey, good for him for trying." You know, I was like, oh, "No, wow. no, no! This isn't the ten ten round. Like, don't don't just praise him for doing something when he's not supposed to do it just because it doesn't happen very often. That's not good. We yeah. don't want that. Maybe this could be a nice uh, pushback for everyone calling for former fighters 
That should be a prerequisite for a, being a judge. Assuming people know that he was a former fighter. I, yeah. I feel like when people say they want former fighters to do it, they really mean former UFC fight fighters who they distinctly remember watching. <laughs> be, that's what I feel like they mean. No, no, because seriously, like... They want the guys that have been making a hundred thousand minimum a fight. Yeah, that's that what they want. Sitting there for fifteen hundred bucks. No, because we we've we've already <laughs> pointed out on this show many times before. Fight uh, judges who uh, even at the UFC level who have fight experience. You know, Eric Cologne, mm-hmm. Dave Torelli, Jersey. By the way, Jer- yeah. Jersey guys fight. We that's fight what, in that's, Jersey. That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> you know, and have pizza. We at like DJs. We like yeah DJs. We like to DJ. We just throw down. Yep. Yep. I'm fist pumping right now. No one can see it. <laughs> I'm not fist pumping. But, yeah, it, they're not looking for guys like this, I don't think. You know, they don't get really excited when they find out that Jeff Rexrode used to fight uh, in, you know, LFA or Fury or wherever mm. it was, right? They don't care about that. They want they want to learn that Frank Trigg, right? It's like Frank Trigg used to fight, right? And he's a mm. referee now. They want that. They want guys like that. They want, you know, and, and ostensibly they would probably be okay with women or, you know, some people would be more okay with women, right? There's always people who just, you know, hate <laughs> women, you know, because they're terrible. But um, they're not looking for guys like Christoph Chapuis. And I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to, they're going to be like, well, that's not who we mean. He, he was no good. He was <laughs> eight and 14, you know, whatever. He doesn't know anything about, like, oh my God, it's always something, right? But nonetheless, one has to hope that this was, a, if nothing else, a learning experience. For uh, Judge Tapui, who seems to be a st- you know very early in his career, if nothing else, mm. so not like I would necessarily say, oh, don't put this guy in the in in the chair again for the UFC, but maybe he needs more seasoning. Okay. You know? that's just I think a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys, it took them a while to get to the uh, the chair, and, and a lot of events, a lot of events, and a lot of fights on a lot of events too. You know how much experience he has, I don't know, I can't speak to it, but you you certainly would have to think that. This was a sign that maybe the guy just wasn't ready for this. It's just what it looks like. Sorry, not sorry. But there were six more rounds we have to get to, actually. So we 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 kind of keep moving along. That was that was the meat and potatoes here because most of these fights, there's not really any rounds in here that are actually going to change the way the fights finished. Regardless, right? We're only talking about you yeah, know no around splits, here right? and there. No splits. Yeah. No no split decisions. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It's, it's all a bunch of unanimous decisions and, and a fight that uh, that ended early. So let's start with uh, the co-main event. Actually, Robert Whitaker getting the win again over Marvin Vittori. Uh. And uh, 30-27 twice and a twenty-nine twenty-eight. We're talking about round one. At least this was you know this is a round of consequence. Round one is always you know more interesting if they're split because hey you know it changes the way things can go from there. So let's talk about round one, sir. Yeah, it was a competitive round. I saw some um. After watching this round, I I watched it. I actually watched this entire fight. I saw. I would hope so. I was I, fight. right, but I saw the Twitter uh, tweets coming in saying how very close it was. Like, uh, I don't know if it was that close. As the people the round or the fight? The round. Okay. Um, I, I thought it was a competitive round. I thought Vittori he was in Whitaker's face most of the round, but you know Whitaker's the one that's landing the stronger strikes, countering very well, good leg kicks. Uh, Vittori to me, it seemed like he was missing a lot. Or if he was connecting, they were at the very end of his punch with almost no steam on him. Uh, not really impactful. Just grazing mm-hmm. at that point, I would say. Uh, I didn't really see much effect there. I thought Vittori had a decent minute where he does connect with a good head kick and a, a couple solid punches. But outside of that, I think it was all Whitaker. So I'm 10-9 Whitaker. Honestly, I, I saw it a lot closer than you did. I, I actually totally get why this was a very close round. I really kind of, I didn't struggle with it. 
I think I felt pretty decent about Whitaker, but it was a close one, and I think Vittori did have some really solid lands, uh, which you you alluded to, right? But it, on the whole, I liked Whitaker's body of work there. Um, so I'm united on Whitaker with uh, with judges Mark Collette and Howard Hughes. It was Clemens Werner who was in the uh, in the minority here. Very rare uh, for Judge Werner, by the way, who is is just sharp as heck, right? But Listen, yeah, hey, I mean, he's got the cage side view, so maybe these strikes that look to me like they're missing are just barely grazing his opponent. Maybe, yeah, absolutely. Maybe they're better close up. Absolutely, he's he's really one of the sharpest judges. I was in the watching world. on a phone on a train, so you were absolutely not the greatest so way to watch these. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I have no problem with it going one way or the other, but yeah, I, I think Whitaker was the right call, and and ultimately it doesn't make a difference because Whitaker does take control even further as we go deeper into this mm-hmm. fight. Uh, great performance from Bobby Knuckles, the former champion. Moving on to, we're gonna go into the the prelims here, or deep in the prelims actually. Nasrat Hackparast got a win over John McDessie again, thirty twenty seven twice and a twenty nine twenty eight, and round one is where we're split. So what happens here? Yeah, I thought this was a close round. I thought it was a slower round, uh, at least to begin. Uh, MacDessie early started landing the outside leg kicks while Hawk Paras seemed to just be content to throw feints for like the first minute and a half. Felt like a bit of a sparring match, minimal head contact throughout the entire round. I think MacDessie uh, had better body work. Uh, it's a close round. I'm on MacDessie 10-9. I went the other way. Close round, though. I don't, I don't really have much uh, to dispute other than I, I actually just went the other way. That's okay. more or less. Um, but I was in the minority, or excuse me, the majority with judges Derek Cleary and Howard Hughes. You saw it the same as Judge Mark Collette. Um, great judge, by the way, Mark Collette. It's nice. To, he really wasn't doing as many UFCs when they would go overseas for a little while. Not, not since more or less the uh, the 1070 gave out to... Well, let's hope that's not Andrei the reason. Shemayev. Oh, I, I would hope that wasn't the reason. I, I'm hoping that maybe he just wasn't uh, available to work and that was really all it was because if, if anything that 10-7 built helped build comes out so <laughs> well that's true but obviously that's not why he did it um he's really he really is one of the sharpest judges in the world as well mark collette so it's nice to see him doing more work here uh moving on to, again another prelim fight for got the win over uh mikhail Filia- figlak right figlak I, I i didn't hear how they were pronouncing it so. i think they were saying figlak okay that's right. You weren't. I forget. I had no sound. sound on. Yeah. Um, and again, 30-27 twice and a 29-28. Round one. Once again, it's like all these were the same, right? So what is uh, what's happening in this round? Yeah. In this round, Zium strikes felt pretty strong. His leg kicks were moving. Figlak three to four feet sideways. Good body kicks. Landed some nice punches to the head. His impact uh, overall was very good. He had a, a nice throw. Didn't do much with it, but it was a high-impact takedown. Uh, they fought on the fence for a while with no real advantage anyone there. But in the final 10 seconds, Figlak gets a deep armbar for about two seconds, I say. It's, it, he's in danger before the bell rings. I don't think it's enough to steal the round, but it, it, it you know. He kind of got out I, of it right before the bell, yeah, too. Yeah, it, it closes it, it closed strong there. And I don't know how much how much danger he was actually in. I don't know. Uh, while the gap shrinks, it didn't shrink enough for me. I'm 10-9 ZM. Yeah, this, this felt like Judge Howard Hughes must have flipped because of that, like, almost entirely. Because I, mm. I thought this was a really good round from ZM mm-hmm. up until that point. Like, like kind of a no-brainer round, more or less. Um, but th- obviously, that that is the 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 highest spot that anyone got as far as getting close to a finish, right? So yeah. that's the question, is, like, how much do you weigh that? You know, it, it's tricky. Um, I feel like 
the body of work from Xeom is really what you have to value here in, in my interpretation of how you're supposed to judge these things. So I went the same as you, the same as, as Judge Tapui, who we spoke of earlier, and Judge Werner. So yeah, we're, we're all kind of in the majority here. I get I get it. Well, I get why it would be the other way, but I, I guess I just disagree with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's not necessarily wrong, but maybe yeah, maybe that maybe that's a conversation worth having. I don't know. Yeah, but no, I, I feel I feel good about this one. We can then move on to we're, we're kind of going these pretty quickly because I don't think there's anything controversial really the rest of the way, right? Yeah. Um, over here, back in the main card, Roman Kopilov got the win over Alessio Di Chirico, the other Italian on the main card. Round three knockout. Um, very good finish for him. Round two, though, is what we're talking about. So what is happening here? Yeah, DeKirgo comes out guns blazing, throwing haymakers. Uh, nothing really landed that flush, though. But as the round went on, I found him landing with better impact. Good reactions on his land, snapping the head back. It's a close round. I think Kapilov can, uh, has a solid case here. But uh, I like DeKirgo, 10-9. I did, too. I went the same way as you. Um, yeah, not not that it couldn't have gone either way. This is, this is definitely a classic, like, very close round that you kind of understand mm-hmm. it, right? You can understand the argument either way. Um, so you and I did not see it the same way as Judges Ben Cartledge and Clemens Werner. We saw it the same as Judge David Leatherby. So what does that mean for Judge Leatherby? Couch side over. <laughs> and uh, we'll make sure to get extra postage on that so that it gets overseas to England where Judge Leatherby is. Uh, it's in the mail. Probably won't get lost in the Atlantic, or maybe it will. I don't know. It might. It might. It might. These things yeah, that don't they don't usually get lost, mm-hmm. but sometimes, once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to, and this was a surprising result for me. This was, I think, the most surprising of all. Nathaniel Wood just taking it to Charles Jordan and getting a thirty twenty seven twice and a twenty nine twenty eight victory. I mean, this was very impressive. I don't think you did. You get to watch the whole fight. I did. I, well, I watched most of most it. of it. Okay. Most of the fight, yeah. Oh, I mean. Uh, Jordan is coming off of a really good performance against Shane Burgos. I mean, he lost but the fight, but he looked really good, especially in that last round. And I thought he'd be able to take it to Nathaniel Wood coming up from Bantamweight and shoot. <laughs> not not at all. It was it was a good fight, but it was it was very much Wood. Yeah, this was round two we're talking, right? Round two is yeah. the round, yeah. But just in yeah. general, I'm just in ge- yeah, well, yeah, I watched the f- I watched the first two rounds. I didn't watch the third round. Okay, okay. Um makes sense in my head. Why? No, that's fine, it's fine. <laughs> You do what you want. Some people, hey, well, that's like watching three, two thirds of a movie. <laughs> well, you, you knew, you know how the movie ended. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. That, that certainly yeah. helps. Anyway, round two is a fun round. I, both guys threw a lot of strikes. I think Wood landed some nice combos there. Was one strike in particular as Jordan was coming forward? It was a right hand that Jordan just stops dead in his tracks. And it's like there's no return. Just like okay, I, I got to reset here. I think the impact is on Wood's side. I think Jordan kept pace landed probably just the same amount of strikes i think the effectiveness is just not as high on his side so i'm on wood 10-9 i'm also with wood here i think wood won all three of these rounds i think it was a close round though it was close enough mm-hmm. um but man i'm i'm really am just blown away by the way wood performed and i'm very glad to see anytime somebody comes up from a weight class that maybe was tough to hit and they find success at the next level it just gives me hope that more and more men and women will see that and be like oh maybe i can do that I'm like I'm hoping it's like a grassroots slow viral movement that will eventually catch up and 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 more and more fighters will just move away from this like I need to get to the lowest possible weight class that I can hit without dying of, you know, kidney failure. Yeah. I mean, unless you're you're Charlie Brenneman fighting at 170 versus uh, Anthony Johnson. What about then, that? <laughs> then that doesn't go well. No. At all. No. Because 
Well, because Charlie was typically 155, right? Right, but he was going against so, someone who was like absolutely I never should have been. But I'm, was but a, I'm saying Anthony Johnson was a freak of nature right, to be getting I'm, to 170, and mostly he would hit like 177 anyway. But I'm saying you get that one guy who shouldn't be anywhere near this weight class, and it probably annoys you a little yeah. bit. I'd say it's been a long time so, since that fight happened, sir. I'm like just using it as, as an I get example. you, I get you, but it, yeah, uh, there's it, always going to be that one guy that that's way too big for the weight class. But even at that, like a lot of somehow the, makes weight. A lot of the absolute biggest ones, uh, the biggest guys who actually get down. Like if you look at when California releases the the percentage of weight gain uh, on the next, you know, the day of the fight, whenever they have uh, events there, if you look at the fighters who gain like 14, 15, 16 percent of their mass, like in that really dangerous like upper level um, kind of range, they're not winning the fights. At some point, I think it's diminished returns. Oh, definitely. You know, I think I, I, I will in no way advocate for fighters to put on this much mass anyway because it's still not that great. But I feel like if you're a fighter who's trying to cut down, you can only go, you only put back like ten to twelve percent of your mass before it starts to get kind of problematic for you anyway. So you gotta, you gotta keep in mind how low you can get from like the weight that you'd prefer to be at. You know, and and if it doesn't work out, stay up. Maybe it'll work out better for you there, as it did, obviously, for Nathaniel Wood. So uh, There's so many examples, you know, Anthony Smith, you know, Tiago Santos. These guys came up, and they ended up fighting for the belt and that kind of thing. It's, there's so many. Dustin Poirier, you know. Yeah. Conor McGregor you could put in there, too. Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is fighting this weekend. He's the same kind of thing. He's fighting at 170 now, you know. Yeah, I feel it. Well, I, I don't feel that's a success thing. That's a I don't want to make one one fifty five. I mean, sure, so. but but I mean that's in his case. But look at Dustin Poirier. He became a lot better when he was yeah. not draining himself. You know, so I I just hope more and more and more fighters will realize that. But anyway, back to this fight. Yes, I had Wood. You had Wood. Uh, judges Howard Hughes and Ahmed Korchi. They had Wood. It was Mark Collette who was on his own, seeing this one for Jordan. No problem there. I don't have a problem. Um, and then the last round here is uh, Nasserdine Imavov, uh, who trains in France. He is, uh, I believe he's Russian, um, but, you know, he was received well by the, by the French fans. All the French fighters won, by the way. Oh, did they? Never, yeah, every single one of them. I think it was six on the whole. If you count Imavov. I, yeah, I didn't, even, I didn't even look to see where anyone was from. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, the Italians lost. <laughs> oh, Italians zero two, French six and zero. Uh, but yeah, he got the win over Joaquin Buckley, uh, who came out pretty strong in the third round. But it was twenty nine twenty eight twice and a thirty twenty seven. So he kind of already lost the fight by that point. When he came out a little stronger for round three, which hey, what happens in round three, sir? Yeah, well, he emptied the gas tank in this round. I, I did watch this entire fight. He needed a finish, mm-hmm. so he he was looking for it. Uh, he landed some big shots throughout the round. Imavov landed some good knees to the body in that clinch situation there. A couple good ones at distance, but I thought Buckley was landing with more immediate impact. 10-9 Buckley. Yep, same here. Uh, Imavov, yeah, he just he was tired, but mostly I just don't think he was landing with enough pop mm-hmm. to get the, the round, even if he was still in it, even in, in kind of a more depleted, tired state, right? Yeah. I don't know, what do you, you don't think he was, what? No, I thought he, I thought, yeah. I, I didn't even think he was depleted. I, 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 I thought mean, Buckley just won. No, I just it looked to me that Imavov was actually just kind of tiring. You didn't see no, it that way. I, huh? I didn't see him tiring. Okay. I, I saw I saw Buckley making sure he had nothing left. Well, maybe that was at the end of the fight. That's how I felt. All right, fair enough. But anyway, so we saw it the same way. Uh, nonetheless, on the stars, uh, the the score, the winner of the round, ten nine for Buckley, same as Ben Cartledge and Mark Collette. It was Derek Cleary 
uh, our lone American judge who flew out, uh, who saw this one for Imavov, which, yeah, I, I could see it. I could see it, but I, I think I feel much better about Buckley. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. And that is it. That's that's all eight rounds, which, again, most of them either non-consequential or pretty darn close anyway. Um, I think it was a good overall night, except for, oh my God, a 10-10. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, hey, I don't know. Where it, was, it was suggested to me that, that we call this episode the one with the 10-10. Like, no, like, because like I'm not friends. a Friends fan. You're not a Friends so fan. I'm not right. a Friends fan at all, so I'm highly against that. <laughs> I, um, I think I knew that on some so, level. Yeah. All right, all right. That's vetoed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, mm. uh, yeah, th- so this is uh, had six finishes, though. Yes. Six solid finishes. Five by KO or TKO. One was a submission, the opening one of the uh, of the afternoon. Well, I guess yeah, afternoon here, evening over in France. Two of these ended in the first round. Everything else was later. Obviously, it, a lot of a lot of fighting going on. If nothing was ended in the first round, right? But what was your favorite finish? And I'm legitimately curious because you didn't write anything down. <laughs> oh, I wrote it down on my thing. Oh, yeah. all right. <laughs> oh, well, I guess I'll surprise you. It's not the sub. It's not the sub. Okay. Uh, I was uh. They call him Benoit or Benoit. Oh, uh, uh, Benoit. Benoit Saint Denis. Benoit Saint Denis. Saint Denis. Okay, I like he he put a beating on um, what's Miranda's first name? Oh, um, oh goodness, it's escaping me. He, he anyway he he probably almost had. Would have helped if you wrote it down. I could have told yeah, you if he had a finish. He almost had a finish in the in the second round, and then in the third round just started out and. He ended things realistically. Realistically, that I thought it was first round into the second round. Or first round. I'm sorry, first yeah. round into the second round. He, yeah, he could have got the finish probably. I mean, shoot, he he was kind of a beaten fighter in the corner. What, what I liked watch, but it was interesting to me was Jason Herzog was like a hawk watching him walk from getting up and walking over to his corner. Uh huh. And he stayed there for a, a little bit just to see what what the deal is with him now now are you what we learned so i was gonna say are you pointing that that out because it's creepy or because it's the playing we're supposed to be no because it's yeah in the referee (laughs) training that was a thing that was pointed out and it was making sure you weren't calling very active in between rounds making sure you didn't point out jason herzog is a creep yeah there's no there's no break for the referee contrary to belief Mm -hmm. well and and i believe i said Derek clear was the only i i meant judge he was the only american judge out there because of course we did have jason herzog Mm -hmm. who is american got american passport i assume <laughs> that's how many got there but <laughs> yeah and then the round round two starts and it gabriel miranda over, by the way so. and it was round two yeah yeah gabriel miranda what was your favorite my favorite uh was the one that basically didn't take much time at all right <laughs> you only had uh 19 seconds to figure out that abus uh magomedov was much better than dustin stolzfus oh he just God. wrecks him he really just just plows through him i mean there's not really much more to say he just destroyed him it was a front kick right kind of got yeah, it going he hit him with a front kick yeah it was like whoa where'd that come from yeah <laughs> and then he crumbled him. that's it yeah yeah that was that was a damn good tour de force uh, of a finish and really the I think it was the only one of those that we got that was more or less quick it like was, that. Because even the only other first round, the one that was over in the first round finished, the other one, uh, Christian Quinones got the win over Khalid Taha. That was the stoppage on that was a little, eh, you know, a little funny. <laughs> wait, wait, which one was that one? Oh, uh, Quinones got the win over uh, Taha. You don't remember that one? Did you? you I do remember. It. I did watch it. Yeah, I, I'm, it's, I'm drawing a blank on it, actually. It wasn't like the worst stoppage but it, you know we would have liked to see it maybe go a little yeah. longer <laughs> the, the one for a little longer would have been okay <laughs> your favorite with uh with magomedov yes it reminded me of the scene in warrior where uh the brother goes into the gym and the guy needs a sparring partner oh yeah and he wrecks him in like 20 seconds mm-hmm. he's like i just want my 200 dollars 
See, nowadays, if they made that movie, everyone would be like, no, no, no. We don't do sparring in the gym. It's not what we do. I, I love that. <laughs> I mean, I like it, too. I, I want head preserved. Yeah. I, I definitely <laughs> want their brains to be preserved. But it's just uh, just the thought of it came to my mind mm-hmm. now. It's like, oh, if they do it now, it'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, we're not actually hitting anybody here. <laughs> you got to get money for that one. But, yeah, interesting. Interesting that you brought that up. I like that. Um, but that's it for UFC Paris. I I, I imagine they're going to be coming back yearly. I think they liked how it was received. I imagine they'll probably try to get even bigger fights out there if they can because it's, yeah, it's a big market, right? Maybe Francis and Ghanu can defend a title there or something. Who knows? They don't love to do championship fights and pay-per-views and stuff during that time of day because then it would be a weird time of day over here. That's not what they love to do, so we'll see. But they do have a pay-per-view this weekend on home soil they're actually the next four events for the ufc are in las vegas okay this one and then three more um fight nights right okay and this of course is uh well you've heard of one of these guys right yeah nathan diaz that have you heard of him yes nathan 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 he's the guy from the hot dogs (laughs) he makes all the hot dogs (laughs) yes so it's it's uh of course kamza shemaev nate diaz 170 pounds. This is the fight where UFC said, well, we'll give you your one more fight, Nate, and you're going to lose, and then we'll move on. That's what they're thinking. That's what they're thinking. They're going to do. They have no idea what they're in store for. But they're going to promote it, of course, like, oh, hey, anything can happen, but that would not be a good result for them if that happened because they're never going to be in the Nate Diaz business again. Yeah, Nate Nate is going to chip away at Kamzat. Kamzat's not going <laughs> to ragdoll him. He's, he's, he's just going to stand there stupefied, right? It's probably what's going to... He's going to get lured into you know, a slugfest with mm-hmm. him a little bit. Yeah. Nate, Nate's the better boxer. I mean, he's I would... He's going to take it to him. He's going to gas him out, and he'll choke him out in the fourth round. It wouldn't shock me if at some point there was a firefight. That actually really wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it'll go that way, and I'll refrain from making a full pick, but nonetheless, everyone knows what this was made for, and I feel like the UFC has a good chance of getting what they want out of this, which is, uh, you know, a, a potentially a good big finish from Shemaev that they can get a little rub off the Nate Diaz name on the way out. That's how they do it, right? And there's it's a other, fight game. There's other people that, that have sp- said stuff like, you know, how great would it be if Nate walked in there, the bell rings, and he taps out and walks out. <laughs> I'm like, that would be horrible. Yeah, that would be horrible. Uh, oh, my God. That would be one of the worst things and, to happen. And it's like the worst. It would be one of the worst things that could happen to Nate, too. Because well, he'd be I think suspended. It would, it, well, that but also i think it would damage his standing with fans right uh for some fans yeah not 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 the ones that are calling for this that are these are nate diaz fans saying this but there's just just not enough nate diaz fans that are like that compared to the general public who just has heard of nate diaz because of his conor mcgregor fights you don't want to damage that right those guys he's trying to be a promoter now he's filed for he's going to file his promoter's license they've been reporting uh actually throughout uh sunday that he's going to have his own fight promotion that'll have some boxing some yeah. some mma some jujitsu what was i forget it was uh the tagline is oh, i gotta look it up it's like real <sighs> i'm gonna pull it up right now because i really it, what, it, is it right. similar to what one does has multiple sports on one show um kind of I, I guess <laughs> i don't think anyone knows distinctly all this stuff at this point right but no. the the tagline is real ninjas real fighters and real uh shh okay real-ish well diaz brothers are real they are the the promotion is called real fight inc i don't know if i don't know chamayev he might be overlooking nate a little bit i don't know he's i don't know if nate if uh chamayev was aware that nate has a win over habib <laughs> but he does stop so <laughs> just stop if if nate wins this 
they can give him a title shot. If Nate, if one, if they they could try to lure him in with a title. No, shot. they wouldn't. But they could try. But but he's not going to. But he not is going they're to. They're gonna win. have to give him a lot of money to do that. Right. And they're not going to. Well, they might. Because they look, they now have a potential lucrative rematch in the welterweight division. They don't need that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's just not the way they think. I'm not saying. Uh, look, if if all things were created equal, I want Nate Diaz to stay, and I want him to be fairly compensated. But that's that's just not going to happen. So it is what it is. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. I'm going to be in Nashville this weekend. Boy, you just go everywhere, so I'm, huh? I'm not gonna. I there's a likelihood I do not get to see it live, which would be the second Nate Diaz fight I didn't get to see live because I was in Tennessee. Right, I know because you're not a fan. No, I'm the biggest. You're, I'm the biggest 209. You're gonna get a text message later this week. You know his his thing is is what is that real fights Inc. Yeah, you're fake fans Inc. <laughs> That's you. You you're part of fake fans Inc. Yeah, well, I'm gonna try to watch it though. Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna get a text from the 209 Erico. Yeah. <laughs> I just caught up to that. Um, there are some decent fights on this card on, on the whole, though, actually. I I feel like this is a card that's going to be a weird one for people to say whether they want to buy it or not, because they really they need to be fans of the sport and appreciate everything else that kind of comes underneath Chemayev and Diaz as well, because there are some good ones. Um, Lee Jing Liang against Tony Ferguson is a weird one, but it's actually I, I kind of like it just because I think there's high volume or high uh, vol. Uh, High potential for violence is what I'm trying to get out there. Yeah, that could be a well. There's always violence with Tony Ferguson and so. and with the leech dude. Like he is uh, that he knockout is was very wild. violent, yeah. man. Like his fights, <laughs> they're not boring. Whenever whenever Li Jing Liang fights, they're not, he's just not a boring guy. Mm-hmm. So it's it, this is a this could be all sorts of strange and weird and fun. And you talk about guys who are fighting in more comfortable weights. Here's Tony Ferguson fighting at 170 now. This is ostensibly a more comfortable weight. Gotta be, unless he's yeah, walking around at like two hundred and forty pounds now, and it's still not comfortable. But you know, I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> I'm sure he's not doing that. Um, I hope he doesn't block me again. <laughs> he's literally the only person who's like I, I know of has ever blocked me on social media, hey, well, and I don't think I'd ever spoken about him at that point. I think he he's one of those guys who just like blocked a lot of people, and then at some point I got off the block list. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't do anything to do one or the other. So whatever. <laughs> it's just I always thought it was just funny. I was like, why him? Anyway, uh, that that's a good fight. Kevin Holland against Daniel Rodriguez. I love that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have I happen to uh, catch the fact that yes, this is a 180 pound catch weight, contract weight, whatever you want to call it. I've noticed something when the UFC does these fights that are not at their typical division weight, mm-hmm. especially when it's around welterweight, middleweight, lightweight, that kind of range. They avoid like the plague doing it at 165 and 175 it's like they specifically don't want to give us hope to be talking about super lightweight or yeah. super welterweight that's interesting it, it really it seems purposeful as i'm catching on to this and it's a few times that they've gotten close and they're like no 180 just you got to move five pounds away from it <laughs> maybe maybe this is just better for them i don't know but it feels purposeful <laughs> Uh, but I love this fight. I I love I love watching Kevin Holland. I love watching Dan Rodriguez. I think this is gonna be a banger. I think this could be the the fight of the night actually. Okay. And then uh, I don't know how you feel about this one, sir. It's a heavyweight fight, and it's a heavyweight fight not between top ten guys. This is not my typical thing, but I actually like the idea of Jake Collier and Chris Barnett going against a Huggy Bear. Yeah, well, I like both these guys. I like that Jake Collier is the opposite the opposite fighter where he was shredded one eighty fiver. So yeah, he, now he he's, moved all the way up to now being he's kind a of a happy, fat guy. He- he's a happy heavyweight. He's a, he's a happy fat guy. Yep. That's okay. And Chris Barnett just looks like he's always happy. Yeah, so. well, unfortunately, yeah. 
<laughs> he looks like he's always happy. His fiance recently died. Oh, really terrible. Very sad. I did not know. That. No, yeah, it's really unfortunate. I think this. I believe it was. It was either right before or right after his most recent fight. Hmm. So really, you know, heavy heart for him. It's it's hard not to to pull for the guy here. Um, in this one, but I think it actually, like, you know. Take away the storylines and everything like that. I just think this has the potential to be a really fun, hopefully five minutes mm-hmm. of heavyweight action. But I think it could be a real fun one. I don't yeah. think this will be because Barnett, he kind of got kind of, you know, clinched up and, and all that kind of thing. He's obviously not as good in that game in his last fight. I think this will be much more striking. Okay. I think that's the way Collier likes to fight, too, typically. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Maybe I'm wrong, and I'll be, I'll regret even having talked about this fight at all. Who knows? No, yeah, but then you also got Jalton Almeida. He's fighting. That guy's a Oh, that's right. He is good. Um, He's fighting at 220. That's another uh, catch weight or contract weight. That is a very strange one, because so, heavyweight could just well, be heavyweight. <laughs> the thing, I don't know what, what his deal is, because he, he fought on the contender at 205, then his, you know, he debuted at 265, I believe. And now he's at 220. I mean, so I don't he, know he what didn't he's, fight at what 265. He just fought at heavyweight. Right, yeah, yeah. he just fought at heavyweight. He was fight. still a lighter guy. I think so. realistically he is a 205-pounder. Okay. But and I he, like him. I'm glad you pointed that fight out. Who's he fighting again, though? Um, It's a replacement. Antin Turkaji or Turkali. Okay. I, I think he's making his UFC debut. He's undefeated. Um, But, I mean, it's, it's probably just a showcase for Almeida. I mean, uh, that's probably how they might uh, be, sure. Yeah. And you also got Johnny Walker and Iwan Kutelaba. Yeah, I'm interested in that fight too. But uh, man, do you are you that excited for Johnny Walker SPG uh, edition? Oh, well, I'm kind of more excited for Ewan the the loose cannon. He is a loose cannon. So, <laughs> That's true. He might bring out there. the best in him. That, well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that'll be fun. Um, yeah, I'm glad you pointed that one out. That was a good one. So honestly, it's it's a solid card on top to bottom, uh, realistically. But it's just man, without without a headliner that like obviously these are names like Chamayev's a name now at this point, and Nate Diaz is a name of course too. But and are people buying this? I don't know. Is this what's going to get people to buy the pay-per-view? I have no idea. We'll find out. We will find out. That does it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. We'll be back again on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, to break down all these fights. Yes, we will. And uh, since, of course, you're traveling, right, you jerk? The Giants are opening up in Tennessee. They're going to win for me. I'll be there. If they don't win and you went out there and delayed this show for nothing, I'm we're we're done. The show's <laughs> over. The show is over. Uh, thanks to everybody. Take care everybody.